Yeah, sure. He's um, one of the characters that Robert E. Howard created, along with Conan Barbarian and Red Sonja and a multitude of other characters. And he is an early 17th century Puritan avenger, if you like. He seeks to right wrongs and uh, to, to, to back the weak against the strong and the poor against the rich. And, you know, he's a kind of an all-round good guy and a very deeply, deeply religious man. He's, um, he's known to be kind of a, quite a grim character, which is probably why he hasn't really made it, uh, made it to the cinema before now, because, uh, you know, I think we've, uh, times have changed and tastes have changed, and now we don't mind watching somebody who's quite as grim as this. Um, I think, you know, he's a lot more fashionable now than he used to be. Welcome back to a brand new episode of Not A Bomb Podcast. This is the podcast where we go back and revisit movies that bombed theatrically, or maybe the critics just didn't like very well on its initial release. Brad, this is episode 119. You got to pick the film. What did you pick this week? I picked uh, Solomon Kane from, I don't know when this movie came out domestically because it's all messed up. It's got like 100 <laughs> different release dates. Um, yeah, I... I remember seeing the trailer for this movie and being really excited and then never seeing it come out in theaters. And then a few years later, it kind of pissed its way onto Blu-ray and <laughs> that's where I saw it. So that's uh, that's very accurate in terms mm -hmm. of how this thing came to market. Uh, and actually, you know what? I think Harvey Weinstein shit this movie out. To be, <laughs> I think it was one of I think Weinstein Company did buy the rights to this. So. Uh, Always a sign of confidence yeah. when you see that logo pop up, right, guys? It, it used to be. It used to be. Uh, hey, Solomon Kane, suck my dick. Oh my god. <laughs> well, we've derailed, and we've already gotten there. Less two minutes. <laughs> hey, we've got a new voice on the show, Brad. Do you want to do the introductions? Yeah, um, our buddy Nate um, from various podcasts. God, how many podcasts do you have? You have I, I'm Silver a serial Linings. podcaster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Silver Linings Playlist. Uh, oh, that's a scary movie. Uh, the AIPT Comics podcast. And I do a sort of sub series with friend of the show, Josh Browning, uh, called For New Eyes Only. That's the Where James you, Bond one, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's how we met you is through mm -hmm. Josh and our all of our various interactions there, mostly online. Right, and, right. We had been trying to get you on, and then it was just like, fuck it, let's just do this one. And, and, <laughs> it's uh, a lot. I mean, that was sort of when I was looking at the list, I was like, what can I, what do I have to say about? And, and then Solomon Kane just kind of jumped out at me because I weirdly have an attachment to this one as well. <laughs> okay. Well, I can't, I can't yeah. wait to get into this, given also yeah. the number of podcasts that you um, have. <laughs> and I, I really feel this is right up your alley um, to kind of help us with this discussion. <laughs> but you know the drill, Nate. I mean, anybody mm -hmm. who comes on the first time, we like to level set with a few random questions. Mm -hmm. uh, now, you haven't seen any of these. Some of these are recycled. No. I, ac I actually think we got a new one for you. Ooh, okay. Uh, but I'm going to kick it off. So mm -hmm. this is a great way for people just to get to know you a little bit that may not have heard your voice before. So the first question, what yeah. is your favorite movie of all time? 
My favorite movie of all time uh, is Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. well, there you go. You're in the family. <laughs> I think it's a wrap. Is it? A, can we just call it a wrap? I like it. I like and it. actually, uh, listeners of this show will probably dig. Uh, a few months back, AIPT Comics had uh, W.D. Richter and Earl MacRouch on the show. The the director and screenwriter, respectively, of uh, the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension. And W.D. Richter also wrote Big Trouble in Little China. And when I told him, <laughs> when I told him that that was my favorite movie, he sort of reacted with just befuddlement. He, I think his <laughs> I think his immediate response was, "Oh God, oh okay, <laughs> thank you." <laughs> Hey, I, it's it's top three for me. Uh, yeah, I, I I probably is number three mm-hmm. or number two. I, I but I agree with you. I think we talked about it on on one of our big episodes. And Brad, we mm-hmm. called it a perfect film. It's right? perfect. It's a perfect movie. It, yeah. It's endlessly rewatchable. It makes me laugh every single time. And, and yeah, I, I don't think you can ask more of a movie than that. It has one of the best uh, theatrical posters too. Um, yes, absolutely. Oh, love for it. sure. Yep. All right, Brad, you're you're on deck. What's the next All question? Right. If Hollywood made a movie about your life. Who would you like to see play the lead role as you? Okay. So in, in high school, I got, I would get Ryan Gosling a lot. Uh, I was also uh, thinner and less hairy. But now, now I, I would say Matt Berry from uh, what we do in the shadows and toast of London would be my, my oh, go-to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is your personality line up with his too, you think? Or? I, I, you know what? I don't know. I don't think so, but I'd love to hear him just uh, read the phone book. So if he's going to, if anybody's going to play me, it's got to be the funniest voice in the world. Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one. So, so mm-hmm. you do a lot of different podcasts and, and yeah. you, you are sort of a subject matter expert on a lot of pop <laughs> culture items. Uh-huh. And here's my question for you. So what TV show, film, comic book, or pop culture franchise are people obsessed with, but you just don't get the point of? Oh, wow. Um, that's a really good question. You know, I was thinking about this with that Elvis movie that just came out, and I think I just hate, I mean, this might be a, a, a different question, but I, I don't I don't like music biopics. And I feel like that's the kind of thing that people get like award season. Everyone's always talking about them. People are always kind of losing their minds over them. And I think a lot of them tend to fall into a lot of the same tropes and sort of self parody. Uh, Elvis almost gets around that by leaning into how absurd it is. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that that might be it. Okay. So is it just the the tropes itself or do you just um, you just don't find that content interesting? I think it's the I think a lot of it just tends to feel uh, inauthentic. It's a lot of like sanitized stories. And then I remember when Josh and I were watching Bohemian Rhapsody, it was like driving us crazy because one, it gets so many things wrong about the band, but also we we've both spent a lot of time in uh in music studios and we're just like that's not how anything works <laughs> so <laughs> i think that's that's a big part of it um and then maybe also uh, reality dating shows i mean unless they're like extremely trashy i don't get into those either <laughs> okay <laughs> don't, don't see the uh the appeal oh, i love it good answers all right who is your favorite ninja turtle and why okay as a kid, it was Michelangelo because he's the party dude. Yeah. But I think as I got older, uh, Raphael really spoke to me because I I was an angry teenager and seeing uh, this this character with an attitude problem whose family still looked out for him and loved him and who still always found 
a way to do the right thing. I just think that he's such a fascinating character. Also, it was just cool to me that he was the one who could swear. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. I I, I yeah. think a lot of people had that reaction where everybody wanted to be Michelangelo at a certain age. Yeah. But when you get older, you're like, you, you start relating to the others. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's so weird that you've got this comic book cartoon that becomes sort of a litmus test for personalities. Absolutely. I mean, if I'm being honest, my favorite Ninja Turtles character is Casey Jones. Oh, well, oh, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't, you know, I've listened to the show and I don't know that anyone's ever said, has anyone ever said Leonardo? I think we've had some, I, you know, yeah, I okay. think everybody's picked at least one of them, except, you know, nobody's okay. come out and said, well, Splinter, uh, <laughs> sure. anything like that. But no, I, I think at some point, which yeah, we don't really have a lot of opium me. smokers that come onto the, the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. That rat's getting high. Um, a lot of like just half bodies hanging out of a train yeah. car. Nate's <laughs> <laughs> right, the one guy who will put on a trench coat and just go hang out in Times Square like Raphael. What, what did he come up with his stuff? <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What is your favorite movie bomb that you would recommend? Uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Honestly, <laughs> like I, I, that one or, um, you know, for a while, my go-to was uh, Serenity, which I, I think you guys have also mm-hmm. covered yes. here. Yeah, because uh, I, I just think it, it doesn't entirely work divorced from Firefly, but I think it's a really excellent movie that that accomplishes so much in its runtime. Uh, I think it works. Do it, do it, Troy. Do it. it. Talk about the theme song. It just doesn't have that TV show theme song. So I, I think know, it's, it's, it's true. Perfect, too. So, uh, God, that was just. I still have nightmares about that damn thing song. So bad. <laughs> uh, you know, I, before we talk about Solomon came. So yeah. one of the things that we have kind of talked about the last few episodes um, and we, we started one of the shows kind of talking about elements of a movie that bombs, mm-hmm. but, but this has come up a couple of times. I don't think people understand how little uh, people go to the movies anymore, but that's always been kind of the case. Mm-hmm. And so I, w- I was trying to go back and find some statistics. And I had always known that on average, even before the pandemic, your your average person went to the movies about five times per year, which is incredibly wow. low. Yeah. So and I wanted- probably three of those. I bet they go three times in the summer. They, they right, could still so see like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if you, if you're talking about a $150 million investment mm-hmm. and you've got a general populace that pre pandemic was going five times per year, mm-hmm. I, I, I think people don't understand it's some of these equations that drive why we have the films that we have. Yeah. But I found this to be super interesting when you, when you do a deep dive. So Brad and I are numbers people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always find this crap interesting. So I, I researched <laughs> Gallup because they were doing tracking. And, and this is pretty fascinating. So from 2001 to 2007. Did you say Gallup? I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. I okay. did. Yep. And this is from January 2022, these stats. Mm-hmm. So from 2001 to 2007, um, the average movie going attendance was 4.8 movies per year. So when, when you break that down in percentages, 32% of the population never went, 39% went one to four times, and 29% went five or more. So that's how it breaks down. Wow. Okay. What do you think the average was in 2021? So pre-pandemic, it was mm. 4.8. 2021, what do you think it is? 3.1. 3.1? What, what's your guess, Nate? Oh. 
2.9. Okay, both of you are way off. Yeah. 1.4. Wow. Oh 1.4. And this is where it gets Bloodshot crazy. Shot really was the last movie. <laughs> yeah. 61% um, in 2021 mm-hmm. never went to the film, uh, to the theaters. 31% went one to four times and only 9% went five or more. Wow. So your, your whales are much smaller. Than- yes. And here's where it really gets interesting. So in 2007, if you were to break it down by age or demographic, uh, the 18 to 29 group in 2007 went to the movie theaters 9.1 times per year, right? Makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you look at the product out there, it, it usually is geared towards this demographic. 30 to 49 is 4.5, uh, 50 to 64 is 3.1. Anybody mm-hmm. over 65 averaged about 2.0. And then no surprise here um, in terms of urbanicity, You've got the city. So if you lived in the city, you went 5.6 times per year. Uh, Suburban was 4.1. And then if you lived in a rural vicinity, you went about 3.4. So so those are 2007 numbers. Again, drastically different in 2021. So that age, you know, that demographic of 18 to 29, last year they only went to the theaters 3.2 times. Wow. Yeah. I hate to be that guy, but how many Marvel movies came out last year? <laughs> there you go. I mean, I'm like, I feel like that's the appointment viewing these days, right? Yeah, it is. And then For a lot you, of people, you get it down to that, you know, 50 to 64, it's 0.8 and then over mm-hmm. 65 is 0.5. So they just didn't go to the theater, obviously. Wow. You know, worried about the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but it, it, you know, it really is kind of proof. It's always been this way that your yeah. mature adult driven content in order for it to be a huge box office hit, Mm-hmm. Um, it not only has to play across all the demographics, but you need multiple viewings of it as well. Sure. Was it like the four, the four quadrants sort of, you need all four quadrants or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, take somebody like, uh, Clint Eastwood. I, I think mm-hmm. that is more impressive in some of the runs that he did over the Marvel films, because if you think of something like American sniper and how much money it made and how many right. people had to go to the films in order to support that, because it wasn't necessarily geared to that 18 to 29 demographic, sure. but yet it still pulled it in. Um, you know, these stats kind of make total sense mm-hmm. why we probably have way more bombs. I mean, this, we could do this podcast until we're dead. Um, every year we're just going to have that many more bombs to go after simply because from a theatrical experience, people just don't go and and it's worse. I mean, 2021 shows you theaters are really in jeopardy. 2021. I I mean, I'm a big movie going guy. I love the theater. I love going to the theater. And last year I, I saw maybe five, I saw maybe five films all year just because I was, I was super nervous about the pandemic. I mean, I, I think I saw, I think the first movie I saw last year was, uh, no time to die because I was just, I, I have, I, gotta see i gotta see james on the big screen and i cried openly when the mgm logo popped up i was so happy to be back in a theater but um yeah no that that totally makes sense that there's such a steep drop off yeah so solomon kane and and brad i think this is where you're going to to kick the conversation off Mm -hmm. when it came out in 2009 it clearly across the demographics didn't make a a big uh imprint Mm -hmm. and uh, it bombed pretty big but um, take us back to 2009, Brad. Let, let's talk about when this thing, you know, came to light and how did it do? Yeah. So weird release on this one. Um, December 23rd, 2009, it gets a French release and then it gets a bunch of international releases after that. 
throughout 2010. Um, it doesn't come out in the United States until uh, July 16th, 2012. So we were supposed to be dead by then, Troy, but we were not. <laughs> and it actually does not release in, I think it had a limited run, but um, basically it's on Blu-ray at that point in time. It's a physical release. Mm-hmm, right. Um, <clears throat> with a budget of $40 million. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it the uh, like I said, no domestic return on this. So all of the box office is international, and that's $19.6 million. Oof. Not a good investment. Not a good investment. Um, is this everybody's first time? So I have I bought the Blu-ray when it came out, and yep. so I think this is my second viewing. But, um, mm-hmm. Nate, this is a multiple viewing for you as well? Yeah. So when this movie, when the first trailer came out, I was excited for this movie. My my dad is a huge uh, Robert E. Howard fan, and so I I grew up with like Conan being a big deal in the in the Simmons household. Uh, I got really into. Um, I've read some of the Solomon Kane stories and thought they were really cool. But the the weird thing about him was that there wasn't a whole lot of lore attached to him. They were just these kind of like adventure stories where he'd go out and fight evil. And so seeing this this trailer was uh, I don't know it was really exciting. I liked James Purefoy. I liked uh, I liked the vibe the trailer was going for. And then like like you were saying, Brad, like the movie just didn't come out like we, and i think i think i ended up getting a bootleg copy of this to watch it for the first time because we were so dead set on seeing it <laughs> and uh and, and really digging it at the time and and but this is yeah it's been a few years since i've revisited it yeah i think I, this is the first movie i remember mm-hmm. vividly that i saw a preview for in like didn't ever remember it coming out. I, yeah. I was just always like, wait, you make a movie, you put out a trailer, then it comes out. Like, there's no reason why you don't release it. <laughs> why would you works. not release the movie? Yeah. Like, it's done. Do it. And yeah, not knowing that like distribution of a film still costs money. I, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I think like, it got some traction at uh, San Diego Comic Con before it was mm-hmm. released, too, because they yeah, were talking right. about it. And that's where I first heard about it and and was very interested. But again, mm-hmm. it was one of those where you forgot about it and then it shows up on Blu-ray over here. Yeah. Right. Um, so obviously loses money, um, just production wise loses $20 million. Critically, uh, Solomon Kane sits at a 67% with the critics and a 49% with the audience audience way lower than the critics on this one. Um, that's with over 25,000 reviews, which is one of the higher ones we've done. Uh, I have a treat for us, gentlemen. Uh Oh boy. Uh-oh. I have a treat movie guide. For some reason, yes, they, they did watch this. Very, <laughs> I was so hoping <laughs> thorough, thorough review of this movie. That would be a first. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a lot of religious stuff going on in Solomon Kane. So, how um, many times does the word pagan show up in this article? Um, <laughs> pagan worldviews. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's let's get our guesses out. Mm-hmm. Oh, plus four to minus four. Troy, you go first because you're always on point. Never, never, never on point. I mean, you're a Puritan's the hero here, so mm-hmm. it's got to be a negative one. He's fighting evil, okay. so it's not gonna be in the positive. But I would say I'd say a negative two because, like you said, he there's a whole lot of him being like God help me, but there's a whole lot of him also being like God can't do anything for me. <laughs> yep. 
So Nate is correct. It is a minus two. Oh, nice. Once again, <laughs> the rookie gets it before Troy. Does. Everybody uh, gets it before Troy does. What are you talking about? Language lot none. Violence heavy. Sex none. Nudity light. I don't know if I remember. He's naked. Anyway. Well, he's half naked. Mm. He's wow, yeah. Yeah. Upper male nudity. Let's Upper see if that's in here. Yeah. <clears throat> Very strong <laughs> Christian moral worldview as mm. man fights occult demonic evil to save Puritan girl, including. Prayers to God, references to Jesus on the cross, positive references and appeals to the Lord mm-hmm. and God. That sounds mm-hmm. like a negative one to me. <laughs> Evil forces try to crucify a girl's rescuer, but hero asks, God, give me strength. This is still one sentence, and he breaks free <laughs> to save the girl, comma, and the hero tells God only God can save him. Now, when a large demon monster is released by occult means, by the sorcerer villain, comma plus two borderline <laughs> false theology issues that appear to refute the gospel uh when a monk says that there are many paths to redemption though the monk's words can mean that there are many paths for a christian to take i don't know what that means mm-hmm. comma <laughs> and when the movie presents the idea that the hero can free his soul from satan's grasp by saving the damsel in distress from satan's minions mm-hmm. semicolon uh, no foul language through Puritan girl, though Puritan girl cries, oh, God, at one point when the hero is in real danger, taking the Lord's name in vain. Not good. That's where your negative two comes in, Troy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, very which, what violence. you've read so far sounds to me like, actually, this should be in a positive territory. I think movie guide's not following its rules here. Mm, uh, we'll, we'll get there. Very strong violence includes some blood sprays when people use swords or knives. Swordplay, stabbing, that'll happen. Throat slashings, decapitations, and shootings, both when Cain is in his evil days and killing innocents, and after he renounces his newfound, uh, newfound. Where did I go? Oh, to stop the the evil forces and save the Puritan girl. No sex, no nudity, brief alcohol use, and despondent hero gets drunk <laughs> at one point mm-hmm. when he thinks he's lost. No smoking, and demonic forces kidnap people. Hero wears tattoos, which, okay, including oh, a Christian yeah. cross tattoo to ward off the devil. And our hero's father <laughs> thinks only his suicidal death can release that curse from his family. It is a leap, to be sure. <laughs> I, you know, that's, but I'm sticking with my, that's a negative one. That is yeah. all negative one. That's, I, Troy, I according to Movie Guide, if you have address comments to Bob and Harvey Weinstein, if oh. you want to, if you want to, do you have a quarrel with this? I do can... have a quarrel with this because it's either a negative one or a one. I, I think it's a very holy film. It's overtly Christian, but violent. Mm. <laughs> Isn't all Christianity. <laughs> don't, don't tell this guy about boondock saints. <laughs> also don't tell him about the Bible. Jesus. <laughs> True. Uh, all right. I just did films that you could see in July of 2012. Cause that was when we could see this movie. <laughs> um, so we have things like Katy Perry, part of me concert performance film made $38 million in the theater. Of course. Uh, some things aren't fair guys. Uh, <laughs> savages. Oh, sure. Um, we also have, uh, gone. No, the big film of this, um, summer was the dark Knight rises with $1.2 billion. So remember that, um, this is the international release, so it's got a lot of. Oh, Step Up Revolution! Do you guys remember Step Up? 
Absolutely. I mean, apparently, Step Up thing. Revolution made $165 million. Wow. What? Um, and The Watch, um, uh, which I believe oh. that was supposed to be called The Neighborhood Watch. But right. uh, uh, what was that guy? Not George Zimmerman. What was the right. guy's name? Was it George Zimmerman? No, George. Whatever his name was. Yeah, yeah, that was a yeah, that was an unfortunate yep. casualty of a lot of reshoots and re-edits, too. Yeah. So that's my part, Troy. All right. Well, let's talk <laughs> great, about- great movie guide review. Might have been might be the best movie guide review we've had. It's so in it doesn't say it's anything wrong. about upper male nudity. It's wrong. I do love uh, the sprinkled in uh semicolon. That's very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Separate those thoughts. Try to read that thing. I feel for you, Brad. I really do. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the people behind the camera in front of the camera. We'll start yeah. with director MJ Bassett. So I don't, I don't know how much you know about this director has, uh, I, I would say feet firmly planted in genre film and television. Mm-hmm. So first film death watch in 2002, uh, then works on the wilderness in 06 comes out with Solomon Kane. And I think it's kind of interesting. Follows that up with silent Hill revelation. Mm-hmm. Now later in, uh, her career starts working on things like uh, television, Da Vinci's Demons, did mm-hmm. a couple episodes there. Ash versus the Evil Dead, um, did about four episodes there, awesome. and then became heavily involved in the TV series Strike Back. Did fifteen episodes um, for that series. Uh, worked on Iron Fist, an episode there. Um, Taken, remember they tried to make a TV show of Oh yeah, the Liam Neeson film. <laughs> huh. So she shot an episode for that, and uh, did a couple of other films later in the career with Rogue. I don't know if you guys remember this, that Megan Fox action film. Oh right. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, like I'm going to go to Afghanistan and yeah, that one. Yep. And then yeah. Endangered Species just uh, last year, and then even this year she's worked on Reacher. Did an episode for that. Mm-hmm. And the terminal list. So still working. Um, really likes, you know, the action genre. Yeah. Uh, the writers, also MJ Bassett. So she she is a writer-director. Mm-hmm. Did Death Watch, Solomon Kane, Silent Hill Revelation. Um, also, the TV show she's worked on, she wrote those episodes as well. And you kind of talked about this too, Nathan, if, if you want to give a little background. So uh, the other credit in terms of writing goes to um, Robert E. Howard, because this yeah. is a character that he created. Robert mm-hmm. E. Howard um, is the creator of Conan the Barbarian, sort of the mm-hmm. the father of the sword and sorcery genre. Um, do, do you want to give a little background about this character, like where it came from and, and um, maybe so a little Solomon, bit about weird tales? Yeah, Solomon Kane was a character that uh, Robert E. Howard used in a lot of uh, short stories and even some poems. And the the cool thing that I always the thing I always thought was interesting about Solomon Kane is that you'd get like glimpses of his past, right? Like mm-hmm. there was there were always hints that maybe he'd been a wicked man earlier in his life and had since then kind of taken up this sort of almost fanatical sense of right and wrong. And so, but he would use whatever was necessary to get the job done. You know, he was, he was a guy who like firmly believed that, you know, he was sending, sending sinners to hell fighting on the side of God, but he would also use a, a, a magic staff or, you know, different weapons that, you know, maybe came from uh, illicit back alley purchases. And, and it, there's this really great description Howard has of him where he says something like he would bristle at the thought of anyone thinking that he was a pagan, even though he used 
magic against against his enemies. Um, and that's one of one of the things I think is so odd about this movie is it's it kind of takes that Netflix first season uh, approach where it's like let's spend the whole movie getting you to the character that you thought you were going to spend your time with. It, it, and that's um, a good point. This is an origin story, and mm-hmm. it's it, correct me if I'm wrong here. It's not necessarily based on anything that Robert E. Howard wrote. N- no, there's a few like references to some of the other stories. Uh, I think when when he's arguing with the guy in the tavern. Uh, that's a reference to one of the one of the uh, Solomon Kane adventures. The uh, zombies in the basement are sort of based on one of the adventures, but it was sort of, um, you know, it, it's that kind of like old school pulpy thing where we're taking a lot of enjoyment out of exploring, you know, the the mysterious East or, you know, the dark, the dark jungles of Africa. And, you know, a lot of, uh, apparently that's where these sequels would have gone if they'd gotten a chance to do another one. Um, But yeah, Robert E. Howard is, I mean, the creator of Conan the Barbarian, uh, Red Sonja, uh, uh, so many of these like sword and sorcery characters. And, and Solomon Kane was sort of like, Okay, if if Conan is my big carouser, womanizer, brutalist character, then Solomon Kane is more of my out and out hero with a little bit of a dark side to him. And Howard has an interesting life. Like he died yeah. when he was thirty. Yeah, like tuberculosis. Yeah. I think he did. He kill himself. I think because of of having tuberculosis. Oh, that I don't know. I oh, do I- know. Um, I do know that he he can also contributed a bit to the the Lovecraft, uh, mm-hmm. the Cthulhu mythos through a lot of his yeah. stories. Um, he looks up straight up gangster and his nickname was absolutely two, gu- two guns, Bob, which is just amazing. <laughs> amazing. So, oh, he did. He did take his own life. Wow. Okay. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah. So Marvel Comics did a Solomon Kane uh, series. Mm-hmm. I think it was it in the 70s at some point yeah. as well. When I was very surprised that Kane didn't, I mean, there there were like some appearances recently because Marvel had the rights to Conan for a hot minute, yeah. Um, but those I, they've just lost the right. I think they're still up in the air right now. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, I've been uh, collecting those that Marvel series, um, the, the newer Savage one. Avengers. Uh, not that one. No, no, no. The the Savage Sword of Conan and the Conan. Oh yeah, that they, those they are fun. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, there there's this character's had a little bit of a legacy, but he's definitely not as much of like a a name as Conan. So I think there was maybe a little bit more of a feeling of we can kind of do our own thing with this too. Which which reminds me, the Conan the Barbarian remit, or I guess I guess reboot, sure, um, was coming out, and because it did not do well. That's one of the reasons why the studio decided to shelve this one is because of the failure of that one. Yeah. And then, of course, I'm sure John Carter's around in here somewhere, too. So maybe there's just like a <laughs> let's stay away from the pulp characters. No, yeah, that's true. Uh, continuing on with some of the people behind the scenes here, we've got mm-hmm. cinematographer Dan Lawson. Mm-hmm. He's interesting because he was nominated for Best Cinematography for The Shape of Water and Nightmare Alley. He's a frequent contributor with Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys ever seen this because I was looking at his filmography. He had shot both the original and the remake of Night Watch. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, the remakes That's with Ewan McGregor. Uh, they're, they're both. Yeah. I actually, I think this is a case where the, the American version and the original are fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Did he shoot both? Of, did he shoot all the John Wicks? Um, he shot two of them. He okay. shot chapter mm-hmm. two and chapter three. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, he's, he's worked with Guillermo's because he shot Crimson Peak. 
uh, Mimic in 97. Oh, right. And, yeah. and here's some other ones. Brotherhood of the Wolf, 2001. Ooh. Yeah, he shot that one. Um, a bomb that, that I'm sure we're going to talk about. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, 2003. And, uh, that was, if I can punch my return ticket for that one. <laughs> oh, you're on, bud. You're on. And then uh, Silent Hill, 2006. Just some, some mm -hmm. you know, a uh, little, little bit from his filmography. Editor, Andrew McRitchie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Die Another Day in 2002. There's your James oh Bond boy. reference. The, yeah. the worst edited James Bond movie. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, another bomb we'll probably talk about, Sahara from 2005. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. And That's a wow. notorious one. Doomsday yeah. in 2008. And uh, obviously, Solomon Kane and started working on uh, Strike Back, obviously, with the uh, director. So that's just a couple of people I thought were kind of interesting. Sure. That were working behind the scenes. Let's, let's talk about the cast. We don't have a long list here because if you actually think about it, mm -hmm. um, this is a James Purefoy film and you've probably got about three or four other people that are consistently in the film. Mm -hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll talk with, uh, about James. Um, you said, you said <laughs> Nate that you're a big fan of James. I'm, I'm, I'm really not a big fan. I, I, there's something about him that I find not necessarily in this movie <laughs> that I, that I find interesting. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just the ride delivery. I think it also depends very heavily on the project he's in because I, I think he's very good in altered carbon where he's, he's very kind of reserved and, and sort of like smarmy. I think he works really well with smarmy. Um, yeah, he was Art Mark Anthony in uh, in Rome, the right? HBO show. Uh, he also he was in uh, uh, he was in uh, John Carter. Yeah, uh, he was. Um, and I believe wasn't he? He was the original V in V for Vendetta before Hugo Weaving took over. There's there's still some some footage of him I think left in the movie. Um, but yeah, I, I, I in this movie I, I find him very one note. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll, I'm going to just put it out there right now. Yeah. There are certain shots of him in this yeah. film. It looks like a deep fake Hugh Jackman. He looks like a Hugh Jack <laughs> Dollar General Hugh sure, Jackman. Sure. I was going to say he kind of has also like a Christopher Lambert look to him a little bit. Uh, it's funny you say that, <laughs> but I'm telling you. If I you, should have been Solomon Cain. <laughs> he, he was originally approached yeah, for it. In it was supposed 90s. to be Christopher Lambert. So, but yeah. no, the, James Purefoy is a, is a God Damn it! Light. I want Christopher Lambert in this movie. Can you imagine that meeting? Where <laughs> <laughs> I want Hugh Jackman like and Solomon Kane because I almost saw him in this film. There must be some mistake. The script says I do not get laid. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how many times I get to laugh in this movie. <laughs> oh boy. Um, let's let's talk about some of the others in here. We've got Max von Sydow. Mm -hmm. as as uh the father right so we've talked about max on special flash guest gordon. star basically <laughs> yeah pretty much he's like 10 minutes uh but we talked about max and flash gordon the wolfman and mm -hmm. uh obviously the scariest movie ever made the exorcist 1973 sure. um rachel hurd wood is the damsel in distress here meredith Mm -hmm. 22 acting credits she she doesn't act very often i think her first film was uh, peter pan in 2003 which she's great in uh, uh, that's a that's a pretty underrated adaptation i think <laughs> really I, I need to catch it um and most yeah. recently in for love or, or money most everything that kind of fell in between I, I i outside of this film i don't think i've seen same yeah yeah uh this one i'm pretty excited i was oh, you didn't see per, you didn't see the perfume 
Uh, oh, I, actually, perfume is not bad. You you want to you want to hear something funny? I mm-hmm. own it. Oh, of course you do. <laughs> I haven't watched it. Uh, Pete Postwaite, um, William Crowthorn. Yeah. Uh, a, I have, a Fergie, a legend. A legend. I mean, <laughs> usual suspects. I mean, come yeah. on. There's one. There's one film that he's he did. I, I'm in love with, and people don't talk about it. But it's this film from 96 called Brassed Off that he did with Ewan McGregor. And Ooh. it's about this brass band in a coal mining community. He's really good in it. That movie is yeah. fantastic. I I, I love Pete Postle. I, I, I think that there is a one of the things that I love about these kind of sword and sorcery movies. I'm a sucker for English character actors standing around pot- pontificating about the nature of good and evil and what makes a good man. And I feel like this movie drops a full letter grade. If he's not in it, <laughs> he does. Cla- I mean, now, him and now Max if you have a sword and sandals movie, it's like how many game of Thrones characters can we sure. Throw in here? What's who's Charles dance going to play? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, spoiler alert. There's a game of Thrones character in this movie. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Yes. Um, we've got Jason Fleming for about five minutes <laughs> as the uh, big bad guy, Malachi. Mm-hmm. Again, um, he was in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, um, right. Deep Rising in 1998, just a fun little monster film, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which is one of Brad's favorite films, and uh, X-Men First Class. Um, right. But yeah. Uh, it, he's also in a very odd little George Romero movie called Bruiser, where he oh, has like a mask yes. over his face the whole movie. That's right. Gosh. I seen he's very good in it. The movie's not great. <laughs> That's true. Uh, but no, I, I mean, I, I think you would all agree. Not a lot of heavy hitters here. You've got Max and maybe Pete to class it up a, a little bit. Sure. Um, bring up the, the acting caliber, but everybody else, I mean, not a huge box office draw, right? No, I, and like a lot of character actors that we recognize showing up for like two seconds, right? Like, like Alice Kriege for, almost no reason in this movie (laughs) yeah no it's it's very how do i say it um outside of solomon kane Mm. and maybe meredith everybody else is just in and out of the film without much character Mm. development and even your villain is uh a jason Voorhees? i mean malachi is the big bad but he yeah. has a uh, a guy working for him that looks sure. like a medieval jason Voorhees, more or less even with his mask off oh that's what i was gonna say is like what like which villain like we get yeah there's so many uh and and we've already talked a little bit about the production and development so in 2001 mm-hmm. christopher lambert was offered the role of kane uh he didn't take it Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Um, April 16, 2008. So the director Bassett posted a message on her blog saying principal photography is completed on Kane. Now for the long haul of post-production to get it all into shape. She mm-hmm. also said that they were setting it up um, for the future parts of a trilogy. So it was a planned trilogy in the beginning. And the intent was to tap more completely into Howard's original stories. Now, obviously, did that didn't happen because this was a pretty big bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this definitely had a pretty troubled production history. Uh, I don't think there was a lot going for it um, in terms of a draw or attraction between the director or any of the cast. I mean, you're just left with the spectacle. Right. And let's be honest here. We're talking 2009 um, spectacle of uh, CGI, right? Oh boy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, the there's some really good practical effects in this one, but for the most part it's it's some uh it's some mid 2000s computers doing their thing. It is. It is. Well, let's let's take a short break. When we come back, we mm-hmm. are going to share our thoughts on 2009's Solomon Kane and find out if it deserved to be a bomb or not. So, stay tuned. It's intermission. Rise and stretch time. Time to refresh yourself and visit our snack bar. Got a yen for hot popcorn? Your favorite soft drinks are sparkling cold. The juicy Frank sizzling hot. There's delicious coffee freshly brewed and all kinds of ice cream and candy to tempt you. Showtime will be announced loud and clear to get you back to your car in time. So stretch your legs. Come to the snack bar now. journey to a magical time when heroes and demons battle for the golden treasures and the human spoils of forgotten kingdoms. Thrilled to the story of a legendary superhero who fights through all the torments of hell to save the woman he loves from the world's most powerful sorcerer. This is Sinbad's greatest adventure. The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. The sadistic magician shrinks the beautiful princess to the size of a tiny doll. Only Sinbad can save her. See the living skeleton, the attack of the two-headed bird, the dance of the deadly cobra woman, the spectacular battle between the one-eyed cyclops and the fire-breathing dragon. See the seventh voyage of Sinbad in the breathtaking motion picture miracle of Dinorama. The seventh voyage of Sinbad from Columbia Pictures, rated G, general audiences. Let's get into this. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Nate. I'm really curious where you're going to land on this because <laughs> I, you you know the lore of this character. Mm-hmm. You you are heavily vested into comic book material, genre material specifically. Mm-hmm. I feel like this movie is really trying to play into that big time. Yeah, and- I think it is and it isn't. Like it feels like. I feel like we never really land on a driving story for this one. It does. It feels like there's a lot of like kind of bopping or it's a little episodic, right? Like yeah. I, at one point I wrote down like, Oh, now it's time for the side quest in the church. you know. Um, and I think that that, that kills a lot of the momentum here. I mean, this is a movie that's only a hundred minutes long, but it, it, it kind it's a little bit of a slog at parts. Um, that being said, I mean, I do, I do love a good origin story when it's when it's well told and exciting. But I couldn't help but feel like this movie would be served by doing a lot of stuff in flashback instead of just kind of driving, like kind of dragging us along for for Solomon's journey. If we're if we're trying to hit that action early on, I and mean, we do have that kind of fun storming the castle set piece up top, I, I don't know. I, I feel like we. I wanted to see a fully formed Solomon Kane. And I think as a fan of the character, I'm a little let down by this movie, but 
But if I wasn't a fan of the character, I don't know that I'd get a whole lot out of him either. <laughs> so okay. um, I'm sort of in the middle on this one. Uh, what, what was your first reaction, Brad, on this one? Yeah, so kind of how I've been described at one point or another is being perfectly adequate. So I think this is like a perfectly <laughs> adequate uh, yeah. adventure film. Or it's a Gentleman adventure. Six, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, you know, the hero's journey. This one is a little bit uh, not point A to point B, <laughs> but I I kind of liked it because I think I like the aesthetic mm-hmm. and sort of the uh, overt uh, Christianity of this movie. I, I, like I'm not like a I would say I'm overtly Christian or anything like that, but like I like seeing some of that stuff in movies sometimes just to see sure. how they do it. Um, so I I, I kind of dug that. Um, the CGI definitely doesn't help this movie there's some uh transformations that look ps3 ish now um and <laughs> sure. uh and the monster at the very end doesn't look great but i do like the sword play like give me a movie with swords and people getting decapitated and troy it's got it's got the it's got the thing in it that i like they kill a kid in this movie so definitely <laughs> bonus points there i knew when that happened i'm like Brad is in love with this film. Kill they just kill, kill the kid. kid. Hey, man, I'm just saying, if you kill a kid in a movie, you know about the stakes. I, I just think it sure. is a, it's not always a bold choice. No, I, I agree with you. When 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 that happens, there is a sense of danger in the film where you're like, mm-hmm. ooh, anybody can get it. Yeah, like if the, they're going to kill the a dam- kid. Maybe the damsel doesn't make, you know, I, yeah. I think it just lays down the uh, foundation that like not everyone's not safe. Yeah. Um. I do think the worst part of this movie is the storytelling of the Solomon Kane character. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that opening 15 minutes is really strong. You're like, oh, this is an interesting character. And I kind of take all the interesting stuff out and leave it at him trying to be like a peaceful guy now. And you're like, well, that kind of sucks. Like, yeah, I, I mean, like at least with Batman, like Bruce Wayne doesn't kill anybody, but you know, he doesn't have to save you either. So, you know, um, <laughs> sure. um, but I, I thought this movie was pretty passable at, it was fine. It was like totally at, like I said, totally adequate. I it just, for an adventure movie, it is what it is. Sword fights and British accents go a long way, man. I, yeah, I feel yeah. you there. <laughs> uh, I, I, I gotta be honest with you. So a, I forgot. I own this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, came real close to buying it again, but I'm like, I better check because I, I think I do have it. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm holding this Blu-ray and I didn't remember anything about the film. and So I haven't seen it in like 10 years. Uh, so not not a scene, nothing. It, it felt like watching it brand new again, like I'd never seen it. Everything about this movie surprised me. Like when they killed the kid, I'm like, ooh, I didn't expect. I had seen this <laughs> film 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that's the problem is I'm, I'm about a day out of it from watching it and it's slowly going into forgettable territory again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's an interesting film that there are some, well, just a few impressive sequences in it. You said, Brad, that you think the biggest problem is maybe the story of Solomon Kane. I think the biggest problem is the, uh, dollar general Hugh Jackman in here. <laughs> um, he lacks zero and I, maybe negative. What if, if it was Christopher Lambert? I, you know what? Say It'd what you memorable. will about that guy. It would be memorable. 
um, because this, this dude lacks zero charisma. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, you're left to watch all the rain and muddy exteriors and a Jason Voorhees looking dude, like chopping people up. Mm-hmm. And, and it really, at the end of the day, is just a meh movie. I, I guess my question for you guys is I, and this is where I started my question um, with you, Nate, is that it feels to me very much like a superhero film origin story. Yeah. I mean, it's, sure. it's doing the blueprint and the template. But does the does that hurt this film in in 2022 viewings because we've seen so much of it? I mean, it's just it's a cut and paste um, origin story. Uh, or is there ju- or is there just more problematic stuff going on like like the 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 Jackman character? I got think it, I think it might hurt it. Like, uh, again, I saw this. Yeah, like 10, 10 years ago, and it didn't stick out to me as much that I feel like I've watched these beats a bunch of times by now. Um, I, I totally agree that he's again, I don't necessarily know that he's bad, but he's fully miscast in this movie. Like I, I he's just not this guy. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I do think like watching it now, it it feels like, OK, let's just get to the point, because like I said, we've we're at this point where like so many of our streaming shows too feel like setups for like, we're watching a 10 episode elevator pitch for the show that I want to see. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, I, I think that that probably has something to do with it. If we just got straight into an adventure story, I, I think we'd be talking very differently about it. Yeah. I, I already saw this film about 12 <laughs> years prior and, and no kidding. After this was over, my first reaction was, Solomon Kane is a way better version of spawn. This, this is spawn. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, what's funny is I kept thinking the, the devil's reaper who shows up at the beginning of this movie and then whatever, uh, <laughs> is, I kept remembering him as the devil's bounty hunter. And then I remembered, no, that's the ghost Rider movie, which also has a similar <laughs> yeah. vibe to it. No, I mean, but, it, this, this has the sort of, uh, crappy CGI, all at spawn. <laughs> sure. Um, mm-hmm. It has your character who's a real badass in the beginning, and then mm-hmm. he's on this redemptive arc because he doesn't want to go to hell, just like that guy in Spawn. Um, and you know, watching Michael J. White and Spawn is like watching paint dry, which is just like watching Hugh Jackman <laughs> light in this film. But you don't have to deal with Johnny Legs in this one. Yeah. Well, and no clowns. I'll give it that. Look, there's no clowns in this film. Therefore, <laughs> there's no clowns. I like it. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, that was my biggest problem is I yeah. still, I still felt like, didn't we just review this film of, uh, this year already? And it was called <laughs> <Sure>. Spawn. <laughs> well, just think about 2008. I, mm-hmm. that's when Iron Man comes out and mm-hmm. Iron Man, that first Iron Man is a pretty perfect origin story where it mm-hmm. tells, you know, Hey, we're in a cave this this that now i'm iron man at the very end and we're rocking and rolling mm-hmm. and even then you know you get the suit pretty early um because that's what people are coming to see iron man for is to see a guy in a suit and here i mean we're essentially we get solomon kane for the last five seconds right like he's right. not really solomon kane yeah but we I, get a I, fight scene during the credits that <laughs> is solomon kane <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the difference it's... on Iron Man though is is Robert Downey Jr. I mean, yeah, people yeah. people went. I I think the surprise of Iron Man 
is uh, it, it is very much follows the structure of an origin story. Mm-hmm. But the surprise for Iron Man is that I don't think everybody was ready for Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark to be as good as it was to make a counterbalance sure. to a guy in a suit. Yeah, that's a good point. So Solomon Kane, it, it may have some great, you know, chopping and sword plays, et cetera. But the, the, the problem is Solomon Kane as a hero is missing the Solomon Kane character. Right. Now, is, is Solomon Kane like charismatic as a, at, 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 at like any point in time, or is he like a wet blanket? Because he's kind it, of a wet blanket in this movie. In the stories, he's very much like a he's he's not very wordy. He's very much let's go here, let's do the thing. I mean, it, they're they're these kind of boilerplate one and done action stories, which is I I think the the route that this movie should have taken. <laughs> Or so you're you're saying like from a stoic perspective, give us a stoic performance that maybe give us a stoic performance, but also I mean th- that's the other thing. Like you're you're saying like he's not really surrounded by any interesting characters. I mean it's towards the end. Of, I mean as as much as I enjoy some of the performances in this movie, it's not till like the last ten minutes that someone makes a joke. You know, and it's not very much like a, it's not one of those you know they can fly now like groaners. But, it, you know, it's it's kind of nice to have a quip an hour and 30 minutes into this movie. I mean, we're getting people crucified in this movie. Sure. Yeah, it, it is. It's just the whole thing is very dour. And I think I think I don't know. I think the secret is and I love that first the original Conan the Barbarian, because I think it has that mix of, you know, very portentous, doomy aesthetic. But also there's some goofy shit happening and people acknowledge that there's goofy shit happening. <laughs> Well, and then there's the Arnold. I mean, sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, Conan has some has some stuff going on in it to this day that is just super impressive. Um, Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Edward James uh, or Edward James. What am I saying? Um, Our villain. And I'm I'm drawing a blank here in Conan. Tulsa Doom. Uh, Doom. That's uh, um, James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Thank you. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) God, my brain today. Uh, James Earl Jones is such <laughs> a, fa- yeah, I was going to say Edward James almost. I'm like, we're not talking stand and deliver here, um, <laughs> which would have been an interesting, yeah, that never mind. I'm digressing. You're a dead man, Conan. <laughs> <laughs> but you remember that sequence in Conan the Barbarian where the girl mm-hmm. just sort of walks off the cliff and goes through that platform yeah. and you're, and it's just shocking. Yes. Conan had those scenes, uh, mm-hmm. that just shook you to the core a little bit and and they feel tangible because they're they built all of that (laughs) yeah and there's there's a there's one scene in here i think that kind of is memorable or has Mm -hmm. that tension but it doesn't do anything for the plot whereas in conan that scene really amps up hey what's on what's on the line here for conan barbarian what's the sequence that you think is what's the sequence you're alluding to uh, I really like the things underneath the church. Me too. So okay. yeah. that, that reveal that was, with the eyes wow. in the dark is so good. Yeah. And, and it's, it's fantastic. That whole sequence I think is yeah. fantastic. It's the best sequence in the film. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with the movie yeah. plot <laughs> it's like, it's whatsoever. Like, it's, it's a like, side quest. <laughs> it's like, Hey Link, go here. Cause, uh, you might find <laughs> yeah. a boomerang there. Mm-hmm. You got to get those flippers. Yeah. <laughs> no, the water temple's coming up next. So you need those flippers. <laughs> yeah, and you're you're right, Nate. That that whole camera as it pans up and you see the eyes and it uh, gets closer. You're like, holy cow! And yeah. when he gets pushed in there, you're like, all right, movie's over. He's dead. You want so much more of that, and and even like the chase is a little perfunctory, but like that everything leading up to that, I think, is just excellent. 
It is. Um, sure, yeah. but can I counterpoint that? Yeah. <laughs> they kill a kid in this movie. They sure do. <laughs> I'm not. I, hey, look, I'm not saying this is a terrible. Now, it's. I compare it to Spawn, but I, I compare it to Spawn <laughs> in that it it hits every beat that Spawn mm-hmm. does. But it doesn't have the clown. This looks way better than Spawn, to be honest with you. And the scripting is a little is better. I think pacing wise, script wise, is the, the script wise, better? Is it maybe it's maybe that's the stretch. Is it, um, the CGI no, is better. I'll give you that. Yeah, but there's no Leguizamo in this, so that does help a lot. Uh, yeah, uh, there, there's some visual. I'll, I'll, the things I wrote down. This is coming from someone who likes Spawn, not the movie, but the oh, comic yeah, yeah. character. So, but like, there's a couple sequences where the plague doctors are standing around. There's there's mm-hmm. a field of men hung on trees. I, I think that was super interesting. I, I actually do like the look of the mass Rider. You know, I joke mm-hmm. that it's a, a Jason Voorhees medieval knockoff, but mm-hmm. it, it's still <laughs> a cool uh, presence. Yeah, there's some stuff here that looks that feels like a Frank Frazetta drawing, like yes. come to life, and that's the stuff I get really excited about. Uh, it, I what's always, the what's the Willow guy's name? It's like the Willow guy, Kale, Call Kale. What the hmm. the skull mask guy in Willow? Oh, I thought you were having a oh. stroke or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I can't I remember, but yeah, it's kind of like I mean, he kind of looks somewhat like that too. Oh, mm-hmm. I remember. Okay, yeah, my brain's catching up. Yes, I agree. Um, it the the only problem I kind of have with this film, it's always raining. Like it's always raining. Sure. This yeah. is. I feel like that forty million dollars was spent on water, and and it, <laughs> and it feels like the yeah. prequel to Waterworld because it's always raining. I've never it's been. always raining unless we need a even when a fire is burning, honestly. Like there were some <laughs> shots where I was like, they they had to like there's a couple shots where I'm pretty sure the rain is CGI'd in. Like uh, there's a couple of spots that it just looks it doesn't look quite right. And I was like, is it because the town's on fire? So you want both? <laughs> <laughs> That's so we need point. to have water and fire at the same time. Right. The, the movie looks good when there's no CGI in it. I'll say that. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's just hard. It's a hard movie to talk about because once you get past the, eh, is all right. Hear a couple <laughs> of neat things about it. Mm-hmm. That guy is just like watching white bread act. I mean, <laughs> um, outside of that, I, I mean, I, the 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 poster. To be perfectly honest, I mean, the poster's got Solomon Kane. It's I think it's on. There's a fire in the background. Yeah, maybe some rain, probably. And then it says Solomon Kane, and then it's like. James Purefoy, Solomon Kane. You're like, I don't know if James Purefoy is going to be putting butts in seats. I'm sorry. Like, sure. It's not. So I don't know. You needed a bigger name for this character. Well, and, and, and I don't even, know if you're getting a big name to do this character. Sure. Well, even the title, though, do you, is is the name. I mean, because, again, I think Conan has more cachet, right? Like. Because it says Conan the Barbarian. I mean, that sounds bad. Maybe we needed Solomon Kane and the Hills of Despair or something like that. Like I, it's like the John Carter effect. I got who who's going to see a movie called John Carter and not Princess of Mars? (laughs) I I don't know what could have actually saved that forty million dollar budget. I'll just be honest with you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised it's forty million. I'm surprised mm -hmm. that someone came with an idea and said. I need $40 million to make this movie. And someone right. said, let me get the check for you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, it's a sword and sorcery. I, I almost feel like this would have done better in the eighties mm-hmm. with a little bit more cheese. 
And if it was, you know, Solomon, the Puritan going out there or whatever it is, but it's, I, I hate saying this. Mm -hmm. I I do kind of like the film. It's, it's very entertaining. The problem is, um, if given the choice of watching a Lou Ferrigno Hercules film, you remember those films? <laughs> yes, sir. And, and Solomon Kane. I will mm-hmm. watch the Lou Ferrigno Hercules films because they are batshit crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has that 80s cheese all about it. Uh, and there's just something fun about how bad it is. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, I think it is competent filmmaking, but it's uninteresting competent filmmaking. And and well, and I kept thinking this through the movie. Is it doesn't it feel like this was made at the wrong time? Yes, like it it, it makes true. sense to me that this is a movie that they've been trying to make since like 1989, because it it would it would make sense if this was Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> Solomon Kane, or something like that. I don't know. I just I, I kept imagining what the earlier version of this would have been, and I think you're right. I think there is sort of a there's some basic cable thrills to be had in this. I, I I kept feeling like this is this this doesn't feel like a theatrical release. This feels like a Sci-Fi Channel original or or you know maybe a step better up quality version. That. Yes, one. yeah. Uh, I I don't. Well, it's know. even it's even late in the 2000s because Lord of the Rings was what oh one oh two oh three. True. Yeah. So it even misses like that with when Sword and Sandals was the biggest thing ever. I would um, watch this over The Hobbit. Well, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. The Hobbit's like 14 hours long. That's true. That's yeah, true. this one kind of feels And the CGI isn't hour. that much better either. <laughs> no, there's no there's no barrel white river rafting scene in this one though. Yeah. No, I I get it. I just I I think that's what's missing from the recipe for my perspective is yeah it, it just needs it either needs an italian director to just amp up the the italian sword and sorcery aspect right sure or or that 80s lou ferrigno f- feel about it so, sure. something right I, I just this this very much feels like somebody went back to the drawing board on spawn and said we can <laughs> we can make a better version and they mm-hmm. did and we can use something in public domain <laughs> yeah absolutely uh yeah, I don't know. I mean, this this one's hard to talk about because it's just it's there. It's your basic hero's journey movie. It is. Yeah. I, I well, don't know and, to... and and it is. It's it's very much. It, it kind of just goes from sequence to sequence without without a whole lot of through line other than Solomon is making his way across the countryside and now he's with this family and now he's in the church. Now he's at the tavern. <laughs> This is a basic. This is a role playing game movie. Like this yes. is role playing game. The movie, Solomon McCain. <laughs> we uh, needed somebody like rolling dice off camera. <laughs> that would have been that would have been interesting. <laughs> is this is this something you guys are going to go back and uh, given all the content that's mm-hmm. out there, is Solomon Kane something you would go back and watch again if you weren't doing a podcast or something on it? I you know. It, so this was my third watch. I watched it like right around when it came out and then watched it about five years ago with a friend of mine who's like also a sucker for like the Highlander movies and sword and sorcery stuff and had a good time, but also was like, okay, I can start to see the cracks. And then this watch, I, I found it to be 
a slog. Like, I, I mean, there's things I like about it, but if I ever went back to revisit this, I think I'd just be skipping to certain sequences. Like I I'd watch the, I love a castle raid. I love, uh, you know, I, I like all the stuff with the, the opening and what about killing kids? What are you, what are you saying on that? Oh my God, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree that it definitely heightens the, the attention in the movie. Uh, my, my show, uh, Oh, that's a scary movie. We're just, about to drop our episode on the 80s version of the blob and when a kid gets melted in that movie we were both just like shit okay we're going there we're like no one's safe um and so yeah no i i I actually love that sequence with the witch Uh, i think that's really well done um but yeah there's it's it's do you know like the the witch gets like disposed of very quickly it oh is that's goofy that's goofy but i i'm a sucker for like the the sort of pulpiness of it because i could totally see that in one of those old s- short stories of you know the the only survivor they have no idea it's the witch and it's a it's a fun like kind of old-timey twist also which aka the seventh villain of this movie sure oh i mean i i forgot about this i don't know how because it's this big goofy cyber demon from doom but like when when Malachi goes to the big mirror and <laughs> yanks it you mean down, the, obli- he's like, the oblivion gate. It's an oblivion yes, gate. Yes, yes, it is. And he's just like, oh, by the way, there's another thing that wants to kill you. I, I laughed out loud. Um, you know, it's like when someone in a John Wick movie puts down a bigger coin, and I'm just like, oh, okay. It's <laughs> a good, it's a good analogy. So, real quick i i I do full spoiler alert so if you you haven't seen this film yet and you go man there's a spoiler there's a twist there is i I do want to ask about it real quick Mm -hmm. uh so if you haven't seen this film and you're interested in it stop like skip ahead i don't know five minutes or something i don't know if the story is the best part of this movie but yeah but i i just i i always am interested in these movies Mm -hmm. that have this big late spoiler twist thing this one has one of them right so, end of the film, Solomon Kane, he's like, what? Jason Voorhees is my brother? No way. Sure. Uh, what would what, you guys think of that aspect? I, I saw it coming a mile away. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I feel like that's the only reason you set that, you have that sequence with him throwing his brother off the cliff. I, you know, I, it, yeah, it just feels very telegraphed. Yeah, because Troy does the thing in movie making that, we all know it doesn't show the dead body. So, you know, right. that body, you know, that person's coming back. So they didn't show him dead. But again, like there's not really, a. I mean, we, we all know that Marcus is a little shit. So like, there's not really a <laughs> moment where, where Solomon is just like, no, I can't. He's my brother. He, he's just immediately just, oh yeah, you've always been the worst. I will stab you with all of my swords and set you on fire. No, he does a little, dude, you don't have to do, oh, you're going to do this? Okay, I get to kill you. Okay. Actually, right. I watched yeah. the Nate Simmons plays uh, uh, Solomon Kane before James Pierfoy. Yours was really good. I was going to say, Thank you. you had some charisma there that James didn't have. <laughs> No, I. You know what the scene I think he's actually good in is the uh, is the drunk scene in the tavern because it's fu- it's something different. I don't know if it's just because it's a break from the other deliveries or what it is. Hey, that's that's like a, a very odd. Like the movie makes a weird turn there. I was very confused because all yeah. of a sudden it's like I'm going on this journey, and then it feels like the next scene we're in a bar. I'm like, that's a yeah. weird cut. Like it we- was. We needed him driving his motorcycle while freedom isn't free plays in the background. And- <laughs> I don't, in the bar, I was just like, Oh, is that what Hugh Jackman would look like drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Okay. Uh, no, I the, can, can I can I ask a, a a question that I always thought was uh, was wrong? Mm. Don't don't you have to crucify people with their wrists and not their hands? Uh, Is that true? Your hands your hands can't hold your weight of your Correct. body, but your wrists can. Okay. I yes. also think when wasn't it upside down? Wasn't it like the other way around historically? Like they're hanging like feet up top, or am I wrong about that? I, I don't that know. I, I know. Okay. I know. You guys weren't there. I don't I wasn't there. there. <laughs> Didn't read that. Uh, right. No, I think Brad's correct. Mm. Um, part part of that whole crucifixion is it has to go in in places that are going to hold you up, whereas the hand sure. you would just slip right off more or less because of the weight. I think that also speaks to the weird episodic serialized nature of this movie is we see him get his hands pierced and you think, well, this guy's not holding a sword ever again. And a scene later, a witch has healed him. And so now he can fight again. Like yeah. it's, it's so what was, feels- what was the, what was the crucifixion for? If right. we're just going to remedy if that you want problem this to be a Highlander movie, make it a Highlander movie. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been interesting. Pure, a puritanical Highlander. I like that. Oh yeah. Ooh. Uh, no, it's, that goes to prove though, mm-hmm. that in, in terms of the, the screenplay and the storytelling, et cetera, yeah. it's, it's probably not moving fast enough for you to kind of forget those small details about the crucifixion, right. et cetera. True. Yeah. So, I mean, we have alluded to Highlander quite a bit, but if this movie was more Highlander, it would definitely way more, way more fun. It would be way more memorable. Like if this movie came out in 1986 or 1987, yeah. And it sure. was like a like a like a playoff of Highlander. I think it would be we would probably go back and watch it. Um, yeah. But I don't know if I'm I like I'm like with Nate. I've seen this movie three times. Mm-hmm. Each time is diminishing returns. It's like I don't know yeah. if I need to see this movie again. It was funny because my my dad. I was telling him we were doing this show, and he he got really excited, and he goes, "You know, I I, I really dug that movie," and I said. Have you have you watched it since we watched it? And he said no. <laughs> I was like, maybe don't let it live. Let it live in there. <laughs> like, well, I I would say this: if if uh-huh. you have not seen this film before and you're interested, watch it. Especially if yeah. you like sword and sorcery films. If you have seen, I, and I agree with that, Nate. If you have watched it before and you're like, man, I'd, I'd kind of like to revisit that Solomon Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, go watch the the Lou Ferrigno Hercule film. Just <laughs> yeah. We just like suggest movies now. Can I say like go watch a Barbarian Brothers movie? Like, can I? Just oh yeah, yeah, that would be good. That? Okay, the Barbarians. Okay. We needed Solomon throwing a bear into the sky. <laughs> Something cool. Yes, I agree. Uh, what else? Any other notes that you guys wanted to share on this one? What about the pink, the pilgrim hat? I thought the pilgrim hat was a little bit uh, great. Look, I, yeah. I, I I dig it. And again, but it feels like. You know, I don't. I don't need to see how Han Solo got his vest. <laughs> yeah, that duster. He picks up that duster and just kind of throws it on. It's like, yeah, <laughs> this is my this is my duster from right. now on. Some girl made her outfit or made his outfit. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. No, I get it. I uh, it, it here's the thing. It it has a great look to it when it's not raining and there's not CGI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and some yeah. the costumes look good too. I mean, for the time period, for sure. Yeah, and it is when it's raining like the and we've got a world class cinematographer here, but like it gets muddy, right? Like it's sometimes it's hard to tell what's happening and you, it kind of falls victim to those mid 2000s action kind of looks where we're, we're we've got all one filter over a scene and, and it just it can really kind of obscure some of the really hard work that's gone into the production design. 
And when they're in a real place, like that that shot at the cliffside with the fight with Marcus, like you can tell when they went somewhere to shoot and it looks so good. It's just yeah, surprising I, to they, see they the sunlight. Sh- I think they shot a lot of this in like Prague. You're like, man, Prague is a beautiful yeah. country. Show it off. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, and that's that that's also a thing that I mean, I'm a I'm a sucker for those old full moon features movies, right? Like I love subspecies and 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 the Trancers movies and stuff. And like there's moments here where I kind of it kind of has that energy, like when they're when they're storming the castle and they're clearly using the same corridor over and over again. I was like, yeah, all right. That's Charles Band's castle that he owns in Romania. (laughs) It, Wait, it, so are you trying to tell me that you like Puppet Master? Uh yes, sir, I do. Okay. Uh what you don't, Brad? <laughs> I mean, I like them up to a certain point and then same. Oh, same. Okay. No, I, I wrote an article for AIPT Comics a year before last where I ranked all of them. <laughs> And it, in like is four a, or five thousand words. It, it was, so did you did you go back and watch them all? I watched them? all of them. Okay, uh, including like the Blade spinoff and the Littlest Reich. And yeah, it's it was it was so fun for the first half of that project, and then the second half, I was so mad at myself for volunteering to do it. <laughs> spilling <laughs> spilling five hundred words on Puppet Master is. Uh, oh. 5,000. Oh, 5,000. Sorry. 5,000 yes, is a Herculean <laughs> task that I applaud. Yeah. So can I ask what, what was number one out of that list? Oh, uh, number one was uh, part three, Toulon's Revenge. Ooh. The uh, the one where he fights all the Nazis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The first one where they fight all the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a fun one. And then I think maybe two was second up. Just because I, I love how weird that one gets. First, also, they I, kill a kid in that one. Yeah, there you go, right? <laughs> Ooh. Do not. Yeah, the first one's fun. Yeah, the I actually say the. First I think the five, first three are. Good. I mean, they're they're fun. The first mm-hmm. three to four, but I, I like think the first half. The, yeah, of them are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Then, whew, woof, steep drop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, why well, is it is it time for the question? Are we good? Are we. Enough on yeah, I think we're good. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna start with you, Nate. I mean, I I know we've talked about it. I. <laughs> we we have a basic like is this a bomb or not yeah this this one's weird because we we've seen it like all well for me two times for you guys like three mm-hmm. times so um i guess i'm going to ask the question mm-hmm. is solomon kane a bomb but but think of it from the from this standpoint that somebody hasn't seen this thing yet um, I would say yes. I would say not even just from a from a financial standpoint, but also in like, I don't know that I could as as much as I enjoy there are things I enjoy about this movie. I don't know that I just say to someone who hadn't seen this movie, you should watch Sol. You know what you should see is Solomon Kane. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like. I, I dig this movie. All right. But yeah, no, there's a hundred movies I'd recommend first. Okay. Uh, Brad, this was this was your pick. Where, where are you going to land on Solomon Kane? <laughs> Damn it, Nate! Like, just said the phrase. Am I going to really <laughs> recommend this movie? Am I going to say the sentence? I think you should watch Solomon Kane. You know what's was, great? Yeah. Solomon Kane. I was gonna you say, and your family should sit <laughs> yeah. down tonight and watch Solomon. I was definitely going to be like, yeah. <laughs> I was definitely going to be like, no, it's not a bomb. And then I, then he said that. I'm like, wait, when I 
tell someone to watch Solomon <laughs> Kane? I guess I wouldn't. It's not streaming anywhere. You yeah. and your family should buy the Blu-ray of Solomon Kane. Yeah. Wait for it to arrive and then sit down together and watch it. Uh, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to say it's not a bomb. Just okay. barely. Just barely. <laughs> it's like a 5.5 out of 10. Sure. Okay. Just uh, I'm I'm torn on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also going to say it's barely like 5.25. Not <laughs> It's not a bomb. And and I'll say this. I mean, mm-hmm. it's if you like your sword and sorcery films, you could do a lot worse. Uh, I think there are a lot of great visuals in here. You, you've got to get past um, James's acting or lack and, of. And, and there's a what? And a what? They kill a kid. Oh, my God. You're still on this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They kill a kid. Therefore, it's not a bomb. We can't have that rule. <laughs> I know. I know. Put that on the T-shirt. Yeah. They killed a kid. It's not a bomb. <laughs> kill a kid equal not a bomb. I, if we walk around with a shirt that says that, Troy, we are getting put mm-hmm. in jail. Yeah, I think so. Uh, regardless of Brad's uh, T-shirt design there, um, mm-hmm. Solomon Kane. it is a passable adventure film. I, I'll, sure. I'll say it that way. A- again, if this does show up on a streaming platform, to me, this is the exact uh, stuff that, you know, a Netflix or Amazon Prime would make in yeah. terms of quality and stuff like that. It's it's very middle it of the a, road. It's yeah. just right there. It's a fine Sunday afternoon movie, which is how I watched it <laughs> this time. Yeah, that's that's probably I, I agree with that 100 um, percent. Brad, we have some feedback. You want me you want me to read that? Sure. Oh thing. All right. So this is from Michael. I have been a fan of swashbuckler movies for as long as I can remember. The Adventures of Robin Hood, The Mark of Zorro, and Crimson Pirate, to name a few. Wow, there's some classics. Yeah. And that's how I think of Waterworld, a modern-day swashbuckler which owes a lot to those classic films. I saw this at the cinema, and it was one of the most thrilling experiences I'd seen at the time. Wow. It's not perfect. What film is <clears throat> big trouble in little China, yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, but the sheer ambition of what they were trying to achieve had or gave me an adre- adrenaline rush, which only a handful of films have achieved. Mm-hmm. I've seen all three versions of the film and the Ulysses cut is my preferred version of the film as it gives the film a more mythic quality. It's a great Ooh. pity that there wasn't a sequel, which was reportedly to have seen the Mariner return to dry land with more of his kind. By the way, thank you for this excellent podcast, which is always entertaining and informative. Nate, where did where did you land on Waterworld? Are you a fan of it? I have a soft spot for Waterworld. Yeah, I I like uh, I think Dennis Hopper's performance is a blast in that movie. I I also uh, yeah I, I appreciate any movie that comes in with a fully explored mythos, like or like like just a a, a big universe around it. Um, I also I, I don't know that I've seen the Ulysses cut. That's fascinating. I've seen the director's cut that has like the Mount Everest tag on it, which I think is pretty great. Um, and yeah, I, I I think that is a, an ambitious movie that doesn't always totally follow through. But I think it's so fun. Yeah, I <laughs> it's funny. We I've watched. I mean, go back to the last podcast. I, I watched the Ulysses cut, um, mm-hmm. the theatrical the hour and 45 minute documentary on it. And even, even after all of that, Brad texted yeah. me like a few days later and was like, Hey, that, that water world 4k is on sale for 14 bucks. And that's right. Yeah. I had to buy it. Sure enough. Uh, and I will watch it. <laughs> I'm um, holding out for the criterion. <laughs> yeah. 
Arrow or <laughs> you Criterion doesn't yeah. need to. Arrow. That Arrow set's really nice. I've heard it's really good. I need to pick it up. Yeah. I, I definitely would, especially if you're a fan of it. And maybe wait yeah. for it when it goes on sale. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. The next Barnes and Noble sale yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and what's funny is we've had a few people reach out uh, because I think we made this statement, like how, how many people saw Waterworld in the theaters? How many people like mm-hmm. loved it from the get go? And um, we, I, I did talk with uh, Kevin, a friend of the show, and he showed it to uh, his kids and his daughter loved it, watched it like the next yeah. day. So nice. I, I do hope that film sort of finds a second life um, with home media and people go back to it. Mm-hmm. Now it's not a, it's not a Mad Max replacement by any means, but man, you, it, it's one of the few films. I mean, th- try and pick another film that really duplicates or copies like a film like Mad Max, which just set the mm-hmm. world on fire for a whole genre. Right. Absolutely. But, but can you think of another film like Waterworld who does it, copies it, et cetera, and then comes out as good as it does? It, it's right. very few and far between. I used to have a, uh, a a bad movie night group with uh, a bunch of my friends. We'd get together, watch bad movies on my friend's projector, which we were using for evil. And I remember <laughs> one night, like one of our buddies picked Waterworld. And the takeaway from the group was like halfway through the movie, we were all just kind of like, this kind of fucks, right? Like this rule, like this movie rules. <laughs> it does. And it was it was like a nice rediscovery because I just kind of had it in my head for so long that it was bad. Yeah. Even though I, I dug it as a kid, I was just like, oh well, like the accepted canon is that this movie isn't worthy. <laughs> no, and to this day I will never get over the fact that the girl in there is Deb and Napoleon Dynamite. That still blows right. my mind. And Mac on Veronica Mars, which blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, um, Brad, if anybody else wants to send feedback or suggest bombs, how do they do that? Yeah, that's not a bomb pod at gmail.com. You can head over to our website, not a bomb podcast.com, hit the contact us button, or you can do Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those good things. So I got I got to ask you, Nate, you've got yeah. so many shows, you've got so much <laughs> sure. content coming out. Can you do a quick rundown of what you talked about recently? Because here's the thing, folks. Sure. Um, I discovered Nate through uh, our good friend Josh and Mm -hmm. the premise of that show, Josh had never seen a James Bond film. Right. And you were going to start from the beginning and walk him through each one and then sort of uh, record your thoughts. You as uh, maybe a subject matter expert on it and Josh, you know, kind of capture at least yeah, and capture (laughs) Josh's reaction to it. So, Where, where have you guys left off on that one? So uh, Josh's VHS files has been a little bit of a hiatus. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the plan is to come back next month with our episode on, on her majesty's secret service, Ooh. which I, a movie I absolutely love just tipping my hand there a little bit. Um, oh, and uh, and I George, think we're going to George Lazenby. That's George got, Lazenby. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he little, made the news recently. Didn't I was just going to say he, he sure got a little did. hot water there. Bad, bad, bad timing. <laughs> <laughs> or good time uh, a lot of me talking about how great he is in that episode um yeah and uh so so i'm very excited for that i think we're going to sprinkle in some specials here and there as well we've talked about doing some sort of bond inspired movies in between the eras because i think you can nicely triple, triple x <laughs> triple x state of the union of yes, course yes. uh uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah, so very excited for that one. I think in the next week or so we, we were talking about recording our diamonds are forever episode, which rewatching that movie, it is such a 
trip and a half. It's, it's so wild watching uh, Connery carrying the least. <laughs> do you, do you have, I guess, based mm. on this, I've always wanted to ask this, is there a favorite bond film mm. and does that film contain your favorite bond? No, my fit was so my favorite, my two favorite bond films are honor Majesty's secret service and casino Royale. Okay. My favorite bond is Timothy Dalton. Oh, Yes, thank you. Some Timothy Dalton. Um, um, living daylight. Nate, Nate, Nate we should daylight. we should date because mine, your, my favorite two are yeah. the Casino Royale and Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, as well. Man, I was gonna. So when I when I wanted to like do this show, I thought about messaging y'all about Never Say Never Again, but it did well. It was so, a <laughs> success, man. Yeah, it's crazy. But we should have Josh on to do uh, Never Too Young to Die, the the knockoff with uh, John, John Stamos, Stamos in Vanity <laughs> and George Lazenby. <laughs> yes. Oh God, that's right. Oh yeah, God, wild that'd be movie. An epic watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. so yeah, we'll we'll be back soon with Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Um, I also have the AIPT Comics podcast, which is the official podcast for AIPTcomics.com. Our most recent episode, uh, we had uh, Ryan Stegman on the show. He's an artist from uh, closely associated with Marvel Comics, stuff like Venom. Uh, he's got a new series out with Donny Cates called Vanish, which if you love Spawn, it is basically like a tribute to the 90s. The, the, char- the main character covered in chains wearing a big jacket it's pretty rad <laughs> if he's um, listening to grunge music i'm there <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure there's i'm sure there's a stone devil pilots record somewhere in the comic uh on uh i also have oh that's a scary movie which i co-host with my girlfriend ashley uh we just dropped an episode last week on 1974's it's alive which was like one of her first horror movies as a kid. And our newest episode is on the blob, which was one of my first horror movies as a kid Uh, going into spooky season. We're going to be actually watching a lot of um, nostalgic faves. So we're kicking off with Hocus Pocus. We're going to do Halloween. Hold on. Why Hocus Pocus? Huh? Is this to make fun of it or to actually talk like, well, Hocus Pocus is a great movie. Yeah. I mean, it's one that like, I think we were the exact right age when it came out. And it's one of those that I, it's so funny because I do find that there is like a disconnect with folks who didn't grow up with it. So we were at Horror Hound two weekends yeah. last weekend. And I, Troy is a, one of, seriously, one of the nicest people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. He wanted to punch people because they were there for Hocus Pocus. Well, they're dressed oh, up as people from yeah, it's yeah, just, they're cosplaying it's, as Hocus Pocus. I don't get it. I don't that's, get it. That's that totally fine. And it is one of those that I watch now. I see all the cracks and it it's really hard for me to not think of being five, six years old when I saw it for the first time. So I, I but I totally I totally I understand. I, that is that is like a un, that is a universal divide. It's like me trying to talk to somebody about Power Rangers who's 10 years older than me. I mean, it just, it's impossible, <laughs> but, but even power Rangers has mm-hmm. a, a, I don't know, a level of sophistication that is absent from, <laughs> from Hocus sure. Pocus, but I get so I much totally crap for that. And, and again, I, I don't hate anybody who right. dresses. I, I, it's not like they're running around in clown outfits. That's a different story. <laughs> um, but I just, sorry, sorry. I interrupted Nate. Let, let no, you're fine. You're fine. I mean, but that's, that's the kind of plan is to watch stuff from, 
childhood and we might mix in that new marvel's werewolf by night in there somewhere if we have time this month so i'm very excited about that i'm excited i hope it's good i hope it's good i i have a lot of love for marvel horror so um and let's see what else did i not talk about uh silver linings playlist yep um coming back for season six um this month we've got our season premiere we're covering 2007's The Wrestler. And on that show, we cover movies that have ambiguous or downer endings, and we try to find the silver linings in them. Uh, so we're having a lot of fun being miserable watching movies. <laughs> is uh, is Hocus Pocus going to make that show? <laughs> you know, I doubt it. <laughs> Maybe the sequel. We'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, and then and then in October, we're, we're kicking off with a whole month of, of horror movies. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, since, since we are coming up on spooky season, like what, yeah. what is your favorite horror film? Ooh, that's a, that's a really tough one. I, I mean, I got to give it up for the original Halloween. Um, you know what I, I love, uh, I love the exorcist, but I also love the exorcist three, which I think is an underrated movie. Ooh. George C. Scott and yes. Brad Dorif doing incredible work in that movie. Yeah. That's um, based so, on Legion. The, yes yeah the, a great novel as well um yeah so I, I would say yeah seek out the exorcist 3 i think it's actually streaming on shutter right now and it's a kind of underseen gym oh i agree i, I still remember to this day seeing it in the theater and that yeah. that sequence with the big old i don't know hedge clipper scissor thing so great still yeah. gets to me it's one of the best so drunk good. scares ever made <laughs> um i would also say like um there's there's a there's a really great director's cut uh, that was released by Scream Factory a year or two ago that's mm-hmm. worth seeking out. Absolutely. Uh, well, Brad, we've got <laughs> I think one more film, maybe two. Is it one more film before Spooky Season or two? Uh, just just one more, buddy. Do you want to do you want to know what that is? Oh, uh, I do because I think it's my pick. I think I it is. <laughs> do. Do you want me to announce it? Go go ahead, man. Go. All right. So this fucking director's name is. <laughs> Reggie Rock, what is it? Holy What's, shit! Huh? Is this is a Blythewood character. Blythewood is Reggie Rock Blythewood. What? Huh. Are you sure? Reggie yeah, Rock. Biker Boys from two thousand three. Oh, right. It's Reggie Rock by the wood. <laughs> I think it's Blythewood. No, nope, by, by the wood. By the wood. By the wood. So it's got a character as a sports action drama. Oh boy! Um, yeah, we get to, we get to talk about Kid Rock next week, which I can't wait <laughs> oh, no. to to talk about Kid Rock. Uh, this is going to be Fishburne. again. <laughs> so this is what happens when you make a stupid joke on the <laughs> podcast, and then nine weeks later it comes true, and you have to talk about Biker Boys. So yeah, sure. we're talking about Biker Boys. I oh, man, I have not seen this movie. Uh, I wouldn't. I haven't either. So I'll be watching it this week. Um, I would encourage usually, usually I would encourage everybody to play along. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling something in my bones tells me this might ri- rival some of the movies we talked about in February. I mean, this 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 in my heart of hearts feels like it's on that um, level of that movie that your wife picked, Brad. Oh, my boss's daughter. My boss's daughter, which quite honestly is wow. like one of the worst films. Okay, I've seen. so I'm I'm looking at a the tremendous s- episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the track listing for the soundtrack. We have yeah. 
Red Man featuring E3, which I, I don't know. The entire E3. expo? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> a lot of video games there. Uh, P.O.D. Wow, this song is called We Did It Again featuring Metallica, Jaw Rule, and Swiss Beats. <laughs> I'm reading this too. It's so crazy. Uh, yeah, okay. Oh, we wow. have Big Business with Jadakiss and Ron Isley. Not, not only is it P.O.D., it's a Crystal Method remix of a P.O.D. song. This, so, Troy, this is going to be awesome. I can't boy, wait. Boy, howdy, fellas. I, uh, I think I think I'm going to watch Torque, too. Since if we're just oh, going to if we're just going to do Scott. this. Yeah, I'm just going <laughs> to throw in Torque as well, because that has some amazing uh, motorcycle foo at the end yes. of it. That is quite fantastic. That has Ice Cube in it, right? Yeah. Speaking of uh, State of the Union, we have Ice Cube. Yeah. No, we're what? Hey, we're doing Biker Boys next week. So, uh, listen to us have a mental breakdown in in about a week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else, Brad? Oh, I do want to put out there. We uh, it's a couple of days old, but we put out a special episode because again, the the podcast usually is taking a film that bombed theatrically or or the critics panned, mm-hmm. uh, giving it a reevaluation. But Brad and I wanted to talk about a movie that. Uh, I discovered, pushed it on Brad. Brad seemed to like it too. And uh, we had a chance to talk with the director, Mike Mort. And um, we don't undersell my reaction to it. I loved it. Like, I, don't just like, oh, you seem to like it. Okay. It seemed to like <laughs> it. No, I loved <laughs> it. That was okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, we ha- we put a special episode out on a film called Chuck Steele, Night of the Trampires. So, Ooh. Nate, if you haven't seen this, great I, title. I have to tell So go Chuck on YouTube. Steel. Yeah. And look for Chuck Steele. There's a 14-minute animated um, short film that he did, uh-huh. which became the basis for this full film. And uh, I strongly, I can't say this enough, strongly encourage everybody to go watch it. You can rent it on iTunes, uh, Amazon. If you want a physical copy of it, you got to order it from the UK. Mm-hmm. But this is a claymation love letter to the 80s action films, oh, which is fun. also thrown in um, movies like Fright Night, Lost Boys. I mean, it's uh, uh, the best way I describe it to everybody is if Cobra and Evil Dead 2 had a baby, you would get Chuck Steele, Night of the Trampires. Oh, my gosh. That sounds great. You have to watch it with somebody else. It will be your uh, best uh, group watch ever. Oh, fantastic. Um, and at, I, I'm just telling you, you, watch the trailer, watch that 14-minute short. Mm-hmm. Then um, go watch it. Tell us what you think of it. Uh, talk about it in all your podcasts because I, I really want a Chuck Steele two, and and yeah. this thing needs a lot of love. So you're gonna love it. Awesome. I'll check it out. Cool. Uh, Brad, what else? Am I missing anything? I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. Well, one week from today, <laughs> Biker <laughs> Boys. It's <laughs> gonna be awesome. Mm, yeah. Uh, Nate, it's been awesome having you on. So we've got oh, we got to get you on uh, real soon. Yeah. So we'll we'll send over the list to you. Just pick something. Just come on the okay. show. This I think he's coming back soon. I think I'm on deck for spooky season. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. We, we've got some great films I, to talk I'm, about. I'm pulling a little bit of a hat trick between my between three of my 
<laughs> three podcasts right now with the same franchise. So I'm very excited. <laughs> this, this is going to be so much fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I know you're super busy because you've got the mm-hmm. day job plus the three podcasts plus uh, yeah. all the writing and stuff you do. But And I'm doing a play right now. So I just don't sleep. I hate it. <laughs> a little humble. Nothing, you know, just a humble brag. Just a play. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> On broad, off Broadway. No big deal. James yeah, I'm Purifoy actually replacing Leah Michelle and Funny Girl. It's going to be great. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Uh, I, I, I think that's it, Brad. We good? Thumbs up, buddy. All right. Well, I don't know if you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, or evening. Thank you for sitting and, and hearing about mm-hmm. our thoughts on Solomon Kane. Come back next week. Don't watch the movie. Just come back next week and listen to our thoughts on Biker Boys and, and let us be... I don't know the uh, guinea pig first, and then and then we'll tell you if you should go and watch it. But don't don't watch it, and and just wait for us to report back on it. So we'll we'll catch you next week. Don't lose your head. <laughs>